Welcome to the Cheshire Police Federation podcast, sponsored by Number One Copper Pot Credit Union. Number One Copper Pot Credit Union is here to help the police family financially. It's free to join and offers easy access savings, loans and mortgages, all direct from your payroll, making it easier to manage your money. Lots of members use Number One Copper Pot to save for events such as Christmas or holidays, or simply to build a rainy day savings fund. To find out more or to apply to join, Visit number1copperpot.com It's that time again when I say hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Cheshire Police Federation podcast in collaboration with Number One Copperpot Credit Union. I hope at least some of you are listening again because you've enjoyed what you've heard previously. And to newcomers, thanks for setting aside 20 minutes or so to be curious. This is episode 11 and I'm your host, Andrew Simpson. I'm joined today by Jamie Thompson, your branch chairman. Welcome back, Jamie. How are you? Hello, Andy. I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Yes, really good, really good on this sunny Monday evening as we record this. And as we do record, uh, we're still in separate places and we're still located as we have been since the start in our small corner of the internet. But more broadly, the population is tentatively taking the first couple of steps along a path it hopes leads to the removal of all coronavirus restrictions by the end of June. Now, we are conscious that the pandemic has been a backdrop to so much of what we've discussed since this project started last year. However, it is also true to say that we're about to enter another period of potential change when it comes to policing, not only in Cheshire, but across the country. And just to set the scene, in late March, the National Federation urged the government to be crystal clear in its messaging when coronavirus guidance changes during the course of this roadmap to easing restrictions. And we're going to start there. Jamie, we're a couple of weeks down the line from from the kind of first stage of easing restrictions. Where do we find ourselves? And can you report that that guidance or that messaging is clearer than it's been previously? Um, I think we're finding ourselves um, pretty much heading back to, uh, I don't want to use the word normality, but we're certainly seeing some things come back online that, that you know we haven't seen for some time. We're seeing traffic on the roads again moving moving more freely. We're seeing people um, getting out into bars and, and, and restaurants and, and sort of you know the new way that, that that's happening now. So um I would definitely say we are um in a different place to where we were a couple of months ago, where, where we're in full lockdown. Um we're starting to see crime and demand on policing rise again. Um, we, st- you know, we we are conscious of um, that rise in demand. Um, in terms of of guidance, um, no, I'm, I'm, it, it's still not there. You know, it's been a common theme throughout throughout this this whole pandemic that we haven't had that guidance, and and it really is the the little things where people are reading the regulations, they're making it work for themselves, which I, I can, in terms of businesses, I can fully understand why they would do that. Um, and then we get into that. Is it is it legal? Isn't it legal? Is it guidance? Is it law again? Um, and it's it's just a bit of a dog's dinner, if I'm if I'm brutally honest, Andy. And for people who haven't listened to to our previous discussions about this, just touch briefly, if you don't mind, on why that lack of clarity causes problems for your members. It it brings us into conflict with the public um, because interpretation, leaving something open to interpretation is a very dangerous thing because people will always slide the message to the way they, they, they need it or they want it. Now, you know, one of the things that we've had the biggest issues with is what is guidance and what is the law? Um, because we're asking 
our members to go out and enforce a law, but not enforce guidance. But but it, which is which? You know, we saw that with the the two meter rule, which it was it was guidance in England, but it was the law in Wales. Um, so it's never been consistent. It's never been really clear as to as to what we can enforce, what we can't enforce. Which is why I think you know throughout this, Cheshire officers have de- defaulted back to the, the the sort of engagement and and the the encouragement and the explaining aspect of it, rather than going straight to, to enforcement. We've enforced where we need to, but we've we've taken a much more um, hands off approach at times, um, because I think you have to be gentle with the public. If if we don't understand it as as those who are you know uh, going out there and, and having the legislation given to us. How do we expect the public to understand it? And I think we're still broadly in that same same area. Okay, I mean, I mean, you touched on earlier about you know we see more cars on the road. People are for the first time in the past couple of been able to enjoy to go out to the pub for, to a bite to eat, albeit in a, in an outside setting. But people are slowly um, out and about a little bit more. Hopefully, that's going to be the direction of travel. Which leads me to ask you now: Where do you anticipate? the most pressure will be as these restrictions ease in terms of policing? Um, I, I, I do worry that lockdown has, has frustrated people. Um, and, and I apply my own sort of feelings to this as well. You know, we've, we've all had a really tough time. Um, and I think the release of lockdown, we, we, and we've seen it this, this weekend really with, with the, the opening of, of the, you know, the first weekend where the, the pubs have been open. Uh, my concern is people are going to behave in, in ways perhaps that is, is not their usual behaviours. You know, they're going to go a little bit um, too far at times. Uh, and you know, we've already seen this weekend, a busy weekend for policing across the country. Because people are wanting to get out and about, they're wanting to that that bit of freedom. You know, we've had a bit of nice weather. The the, the pubs and the bars have been open, albeit you know with table service. Um, but people have been making the most of that. And do you know what? I, I can't blame them. Uh, in some in some respects, I I think it has been a, a long long year for for us all. Um, but people still need to exercise that little bit of self-control and, and, and not go too mad. You know, it's going to be a long summer. Um, and as the, as the restrictions ease ease up a little bit more and we go into the next part of the roadmap and then the whole, hopefully the final part in June and we, we don't see any more lockdowns, people just need to, to be mindful of, of kind of not overstepping the mark because the, the, the laws are still there and, and you know, we, we, we still, we're still out, there, out and about as, as police officers. And, and related to that, again, we've talked a few times in, in episodes over the past almost a year about the impact on police numbers of, of the pandemic and people having, having time off. Um, that's, that's still, in, still in, 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 in the background. You've touched also already during this episode on the fact that crimes that we've not seen for some time because people have been at home may start to um, come on back onto your radar again. And so I'd ask... With relation to Cheshire, are you confident that the resources are there to cope with this change in demand that we're going to see in the next few months, you know, against that backdrop of you've been stretched, you've been under pressure because people have been off work? How is that changing now and how is that going to look in the, in the next few weeks and months? I, I think we, um, we can kind of predict where, where the flashpoints are, are going to come. Certainly, you know, we, we, have, we have some weekends that we know are going to be busier than others. Um, I mean, the one thing you can't control is the weather. It's a great um, crime preventer um, sometimes. 
um, especially with, with nighttime economy. Um, it, it does it does assist the police when it is pouring it down. Um, but we we certainly have certain weekends and certain events in mind, um, and staffing will will um, match that appropriately, um, and we will hopefully um, be able to manage that demand in a, in a reasonable manner. Um, you know, people will see more police on on the streets at certain points over the course of the summer, and um, that's because those have been assessed as, as particularly um, vulnerable weekends in terms of of um, incidents and, and people um, being out there committing crime. Okay, now more more police out and about, and more people out and about gathering at events or, or, or gathering at, at venues. Um, again, for people who you maybe don't know, in our January edition, we did discuss at length why you felt that police officers should be prioritised for the coronavirus vaccine. Now, the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, the JCVI, disagreed, arguing that police, like other key workers, must be immunised according to the age group and risk category they fall into. Now, we're not going to go over the arguments of that again here. All I would ask you is, because of this increased contact time that you talked about and, and, pe- and police are going to be face-to-face quite literally with, with more people again, do you anticipate the issue of vaccination priority to, to kind of become live again, to come back on our radar again in, in, the, in the next couple of months? Um, I do, very much so. And, and I think, you know, we all know that just because you've had a vaccine, it, it doesn't mean that you can't spread, spread the virus. Um, and we're going to have a, a significant amount of people out and about who may have been vaccinated who are still you know, able to spread this and uh, coming into contact with police officers who haven't been vaccinated. You then throw into the mix the additional demand um, that we're expecting where we need increased officer numbers. Um, and I do worry that you know, across the course of the summer, we could see a real um, impact on our ability to, to put out the numbers that we need out there because people are becoming ill again. And I'm not for one moment suggesting we're gonna have a, 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 you know, an outbreak or a, a hopefully yeah. we won't have another wave. But as people start to come into contact, the virus is going to spread a little bit more. And some people are vaccinated, some people aren't. And and the vast majority of police officers aren't. So the push will continue, basically, from... uh, It's it's been been at a national level. It's actually brought together different police bodies as united, not just the Federation, but the National Police Chiefs Council and and others have come together on this. You anticipate that that lobbying, even if it's behind the scenes, will, will continue? Yeah, we we must um, because it, it, this isn't about the individuals, as as I've said previously. This is about protecting the service and protecting the ability to to to, to do what we should be doing. Um, we know the demands on our time are going to increase across the summer for for numerous reasons. Um, not only the nighttime economies, but events coming back online. You know, um, other things are happening, but the potential of protests. Um, so once we once we see those things come back online, it's very it, it'd be very difficult to meet that demand when we have people going off sick and, and not in the workplace. Now, you've talked about, you know, a couple of times about the timeline of events, about things that are, that are in the calendar that hopefully we'll be able to enjoy or, or go to later this year. Is it possible yet to envisage a, mo- a moment when you can say we're back to normal? And, and I ask you that from, as usual, from a policing point of view, or is, it, is that feel still a bit too far in the distance just yet? Um, I'd like to, as a, as a human, I'd like to think that uh, normality will, will return. Um, whether that's uh, you know a new normal and, and we 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 are facing yeah. some kind of, of of sort of restriction still, I don't know. Um, listen, I mean that you know uh, certainly events etc in Cheshire are planning for a summer of 
of these things going ahead. Um, so as police, we're responding to that by planning for for a little bit of normality. You know, we have some big events in Cheshire and some some that are now popping up because there's opportunity there because some other events aren't, aren't happening. Um, now, as it stands, there's nothing to suggest that these events won't go ahead. Um, so we have to we have to plan for it. What they look like, how, how they're managed, we don't know yet. We don't know that picture. But as I sit here now, we are planning for the likes of Creamfields. We are planning for, for the likes of, of Neighbourhood Weekender at Warrington. Um, because, you know, on paper, they, they are happening. Okay. Now, just to kind of bring this first half of today's episode to a conclusion, just a point of reflection, really. I mean, we record this just over a year since the first national lockdown. And, and, and we've discussed the constant changes and the constant impact of the pandemic um, at regular intervals during during this series. But now just kind of looking back over that 12 months, what would you identify the biggest challenges your members have faced over the past year? Um, I think it's been a, a mix of um, hastily brought in legislation, dropped on us on a, on a, a, normally on a Friday evening, expected to come into force on a, on a Monday morning, um, coupled with um, the, the natural anxiety of any human about contracting the disease and spreading it to others, um, along with sometimes officer numbers that haven't quite been where, where they should be. Um, I think it's it, you kind of have to look at, you can't look at any one part of it in isolation. It's all, it's all kind of come together to, to be... Um, uh, you know, a, a worry for for people. But I've got to say this, Andy. I I look at my members with a real sense of pride as to how they've managed through this. Police officers and police staff in Cheshire have dealt with this fantastically. I've said it before, and I won't tire of saying it because it's the it's the truth. They are um the the way they've 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 stood tall and stood together and the teamwork involved. It's just it's just shown what the police service can do when it is required to do so, and that neatly actually uh, is is a bridge to to what we're going to talk about um, in the second part of of today's episode. So I do want to move on, and I do want to discuss how policing is perceived at the moment, and inevitably we are going to look at that at least in part through the prism of the pandemic. But I think it might be kind of more broadly uh, some of the issues we're going to look at. Look, it's been something that's been towards the top of the news agenda, particularly on the issue of policing protests, whether that be at Clapham Common following a vigil in memory of Sarah Everard during the Black Lives Matter demonstrations last summer, or more recently we've seen anti-lockdown marches in several towns and cities, including in the northwest of England. So I'm going to ask you kind of a broad question to kick this off. What, what have you made in general of the media and political commentary on policing with those as a as a backdrop um i think we're in an age now where it's very easy to access information and it's very easy to access footage of of things that are happening you know um showing my age now you know it used to be on the news and it'd be shocking if you saw something like that on the news and it'd be like wow there's been actually been a cameraman there well everyone's a camera cam, cameraman now aren't they everyone has the ability to record um, something going on. The, the the problem is it lacks context, and it, and it lacks it lacks the 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 story essentially. Um, so a 10, 20 second clip on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram doesn't show the the, the full extent of, of what's happening. And what what I think is happening, Andy, is is we're seeing a, a media um, a media drive to to comment on these clips without knowing the, the full story behind it, which inevitably 
has the police playing the part of the bad guy? Um, and we saw it with, with, with what happened in London. Um, and it, it just takes that, it, it takes that one little snippet and it's viral then. And it's viral without any context. Now, those within policing will view these these um, these incidents through different eyes, and they will view it um, and, and see, actually, you know, look how calm the officers are, look how they're trying to engage, look how they're trying to explain uh, to these people that they need to leave because they are breaching COVID regulations, they're breaching the COVID law. Um, what others will see is, uh, you know, a, a six foot burly cop shouting at, at, at a, a, a young woman who who is screaming in his face. Um, so it, it really is about that context. Uh, and I think what's happened is the media have, have seen it as a great opportunity to um, almost kick us and, 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 and throw us. And then we've had the politicians jumping on board, seeing a 10, 20 second clip and deciding that that must be fact because it's, it's there on Twitter and somebody's filmed it. So it must be fact that, that the police are bullying people. Um, you have to be careful. You just have to be careful with with um, forming an opinion based on something very narrow. Um, and we, we, I think we've 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 fallen into this this routine now where something happens, the mainstream media will jump all over it, create a story out of it, um, and actually, when we try to tell the truth or show the whole story, nobody's interested then. That that's the that's the challenge of things going viral, isn't it? In that you're playing catch-up essentially things things around the world and and um you're you're kind of on the back foot responding to that all the time rather than being able to kind of be on be on the front foot and kind of engaging at the right moment i mean look when you read and you see some of this stuff whether it is on television news in the newspaper or or uh, reaction on social media how does it make police officers including your members of course feel when they read or listen to some of the things that have been said in the past six to eight weeks it listen after after the the the, the london um the, the the sarah everard memorial and we saw how how that went that that sunday night um my phone started to light up with 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 members who were really upset initially upset with 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 the way people were talking about policing and people talking about police officers and it wasn't just in the Met, it wasn't just in London. That message was was transitioning out throughout the country, and I was talking to one female officer who said she went into work that night fearful for her own safety because of the way policing was being portrayed. Um, now, we have to st- we at some point we have to stand up and say, "Hang on, you know, we're we're not going to stand for this because this is not reflective of what the truth is." You, you hear in the side of the message that that certain sections of the media and certain political angles want you to hear but it policing is the biggest damned if you do damned if you don't job there is you know you you cannot be right because at some point somebody will always be upset with what you do and for everybody who who talked about that particular incident and said we should you know we we should have allowed them to to protest and we should have we should have allowed them to 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 gather there was other people saying no you you were doing the right thing by dispersing them because they were breaking the law and what people feel. What, what's it like to be in that position? It's it's. I don't know. After I mean, I've got 20, 20 years in the job. You, it, it's, yeah. it's it's been like this for twenty for, for all of my career, and you know, people with longer and will tell you that that it's it's been the same forever. You kind of get used to it for after a while, um, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt and it doesn't yeah. smart with you when when 
high senior people in this country come out and say things with no knowledge. They've never stood in front of an angry mob. They've never stood in front of a peaceful protest where people are turning up with, with ACAB placards and are throwing bottles at you, which, you know, it, it, that's when it doesn't become peaceful. Whilst you're just stood there in your, in your, your cap and, and your normal uniform with no protections. So these people are very quick to, to make a judgment on, on what they've seen to be police brutality and, and you know, my God, look at what we're, we're, look at what we're becoming. When the reality couldn't be further from the truth, you know, we still police by consent in this country um, and that hasn't been lost. Um, uh, you know, people, if people aren't careful, they will get a police service that, that they, they deserve. And, and the, the, the public of, of, of England and Wales don't deserve some of the policing that happens in other countries. We're, we're better than that. We are better than that. Uh, kind of directly links that you meant you mentioned about senior figures. So just just to touch one question on on kind of the the politics of this. I mean, the government has been keen to emphasise repeatedly that the police service is operationally independent and it's not appropriate for ministers to instruct forces on how they should behave. But of course, politicians are responsible for the legislation that that police are asked to enforce. So the two are inextricably. Linked. Just, just quote one example. You did touch on this earlier in, in the episode. I mean, the National Federation estimated there's been 60 changes alone to legislation in England and Wales over the past year. Um, it comes back to what you were saying earlier about how much harder it makes the job when it's that shifting so quickly, both politically in terms of opinions and what you're being expected to do, and literally in terms of the law, because that's changing quickly as well. How much harder does that make it? It, it, it makes it near on impossible. Um, because you 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 you're trying to uh, keep ahead of, of it all the time, and, and it it really isn't isn't possible to do that at times because it does change so quickly. Um, and and then what the, the biggest irony was some of the the comments that were coming out around the, that that particular um, is, issue in London were from people who voted these these laws through. So we had police officers there enforcing yeah. a law. That was brought in by politicians who were then criticising the police for enforcing the law. <laughs> yeah. What do they want us to do? Genuinely, what do they want us to do? Um, you know, and and some I think some people really need to reflect on on the the knee jerk reaction um, that 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 happened and just consider things a little bit more before they speak. I mean, to, uh, the next question follows neatly on from that in that. You know, what's your assessment of how the relationship between the police and, and the public has changed during the course of the pandemic? Do you think it has changed? And if you do, um, how much of that is down to the kind of unique circumstances that we're in? Because a lot is magnified, admittedly. Um, so, yeah, what, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I, I don't. I, I genuinely don't see that the relationship has changed that much. I, okay. still, I still think the public do support the police. Listen, I've said it before, and, and I'll say it again. We don't get it right all the time. We we don't, and and we're probably the one of the the the, the, the services that's held to account the, the most, more than any other public service. We're held to account, and I don't disagree with that. You know, we we have to be at, at a higher standard and doing things at, at the absolute best. But it will go wrong at times. But it's about how we react to that and, and holding up our hands and saying, yeah, we did get it wrong that time. But these are the reasons why why we we, we took the course of action we did. Um. I, I do think the public have been fantastic on the whole throughout throughout the whole of the pandemic and even now. And, you know, in the days that, 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 that followed the Sarah Everard 
um, at, at Memorial down in London and what happened there. We did see public coming out in support of, of policing. Um, and and the, the problem is the noisy few. Um, yeah. the, the vast majority are comfortable with what goes on. They, you know, they, they understand that the situation we're in, but there's the noisy few. And some of those noisy few have really valid points. But I get worried sometimes that that message gets lost in the anarchy of it all and the fact that people want to seek these opportunities where somebody may be protesting a real genuine issue that, that we need to have a discussion about. But it gets lost when people turn up just because they want to rumble with the cops. Um, and we're missing an opportunity there to, to really you know, resolve some of these issues and, and talk about some of these issues because it turns into a police versus protesters moment. But they are, they're in the minority. I, I do genuinely still think that the vast majority of the public understand what we've been doing, support what we've been doing. And certainly in Cheshire, you know, they, they, they have been great. And, and yes, you, you, you get the odd flashpoint. Yes, things do go, do go wrong at times. But on the whole, the public have been, you know, uh, have come with us on this journey and, and have understood the difficulties that we faced. And that brings us to the end of our April episode. If you haven't had an opportunity to listen to previous editions and would like to, then you'll find them on the Federation's website or by subscribing to this podcast through your favourite provider. Let us know what you think if you do. And if you do like what you hear, then it would mean a lot to us if you could share posts we make about the podcast on social media or away from the virtual space, tell your friends, family and colleagues about what we're up to. And if you're old school like I am, then you can even now send us an email to podcast at cheshirepolfed.org.uk. That's podcast at cheshirepolfed.org.uk. The branch is also active daily on social media, posting regular news updates on Facebook, Twitter, and its new Instagram account. Simply type Cheshire Police Federation into your search bar and you'll find us. And we'll be back soon. Goodbye.